Dun, 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 dun. You like that? I bet they was waiting for the rest of the music. What's going on, guys? Oh, Welcome back to the True eek. Christian Ministry Podcast. Let me go ahead and preface this right off the bat before you notice. JD is on a delay again, but this is the last episode that you have to deal with it. Um, we will have the internet fixed and orchid orchid orchestrated. I don't even know where I was going with that, but situated by Monday. Yeah. Agreed. See, right now, I <laughs> have to make a decision <laughs> on whether I think he's the, going the, to talk the, or not. The problem is on. Yeah, see, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the that's the tough part. That's the tough part. So we when you see us overlapping, it's because I'm I'm dealing with like really low level internet at the moment. Um and again. Oh man, that's so annoying. Yeah, so, so people annoying. have requested so that you uh, also they, they said it South helped Africa, last time that you turned uh, the camera off. Has All right, there we go. Try. So hopefully that makes things a lot better. Um, but before we dive into it, let's just go ahead and discuss, uh, discuss last week. Uh, we had a deep episode where we had to turn off TikTok uh, because we talked about some topics that offend people and we're not trying to uh, deal with the trolls over there on TikTok. But tonight we're going to kind of continue this conversation. JD trying to make me big. We're going to continue this conversation, but we're going to do more on a biblical uh, lens tonight. So last time it was JD and myself talking. So Christians having a conversation, a conversation about culture, about what's going on in our society, right? Now we're going to go to the Bible and see what does the scripture tell us is supposed to happen? Um, because it should bring you comfort. I, I understand guys and JD, I'm sure you can agree with this. Even if you know, it's supposed to happen, seeing it happen, it's still it still can like hit you, right? I mean, even God who knew things were going to happen, it shows in scriptures that he feels emotions over these situations that he's already aware of. So even though we're aware of these prophecies unfolding and how things are going to be, it's always, it's still just like, oh my goodness, people <laughs> watching people fall for the lies that the Bible warns them of. Is it five second delay? Six second delay? Oh, that's ridiculous. JD must be muted and not realize it. Yeah, it's bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop out. No, no, no. I'm just gonna that's how long it's like so bad. I'm gonna hop out and I'm gonna come back. So yeah, give me okay. two minutes. So yeah, that works perfect then. So while JD works on that, we're going to dive right into the episode. That way things can keep moving smoothly uh, because that's what JD would want. So we're going to read 2 Timothy tonight. At least that's where we're going to start at. And the reason why I love diving into 2 Timothy, as I've said before, is this is Paul's final letter. So I always love to tell people, like, I want you to put yourself in this mindset for a moment. Pause in prison. And, and listen, I know when we think about prison, we might automatically think about our prisons. And that's not a pretty image, but that's not what Paul went through. Have any of y'all seen on Netflix, the world's most dangerous prisons? I, I love that show. I, I love it because it's fascinating to me how different countries handle their criminals, right? It, people like to see shows about places, you know, based on other things and look at how they prosper. I think seeing how a country deals with its criminals is fascinating as far as what their culture is going through. I mean, because it's their sin. 
It's the truth. It's what the countries don't want you to see about their people. And some of these prisons in this world, like you would be, your mind would be blown because our prisons would look like a fairy tale to these places. And what Paul was in was worse than all those things because we're talking about old Roman prisons, right? In fact, there are some, um, you guys can, if you haven't before, I would recommend when you finish this podcast, look it up. You can actually go see uh, the prisons that Paul was in. I think they've got most of them uh, figured out and you can actually see it. Uh, if you don't go, obviously you can watch videos of it and I've seen it and it's, it's like, wow. So when you get that mindset, that pause, writing this letter from a prison cell that's like this, where you don't see sunlight, you get lowered into a hole. That's how you get down there, right? It's not like a jail cell. You get lowered into a hole, into this uh, uh, dugout, you know, uh, basement kind of thing, makeshift basement. And he's writing to Timothy, who's like a son to him in the faith. And, and Paul knows that this is it. Like, this is my final letter. If I imagine that for me, as I sit here thinking about my relationship with JD, right? J JD's not my son in the faith, but when I try to think of a very close relationship so I can emphasize, uh, you know, uh, 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 empathize with what's going on between them, I would say JD is a close relationship. And I wonder in my final moments, would I encourage him to do what I did that got me killed? Because what Paul does is he's going to encourage Timothy to do the very thing that's going to kill him. Like, hey, Timothy, I'm about to die because I've been preaching this gospel. Now you need to go do it. Go forth and do it. Go forth and preach this gospel that's about to kill me. And when you die, someone else will pick up and preach the gospel after you. And, and just here, let me open it up. And just look how he opens this letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Like, hmm. JD's back. I see him in the waiting box. I don't know if his internet's capable of coming up at the moment. Um, it looks like he's dealing with some stuff. So we're going to keep diving into this and we'll see when he comes back in. But right there, that's just so much power. Look at look at him opening it up. Timothy don't my, if I don't know if Timothy knows that Paul is about to die, but at least at this point he doesn't, I would say, because if he doesn't know from any other source, Paul opens this up with love and encouragement and and building up talking about, I long to see you, that you have the faith that you hold on to from your, uh, that, that comes from your family. But pay attention to what I've highlighted. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. We sometimes will ask like, what are my gifts? And you think it's going to be this evident gift. And, and because it's from God, it's just going to work perfectly. Like eventually one day, Without me doing any work, just one day I'm going to suddenly start doing something and it's going to be perfect. Like God's just going to take over. But that's not how it works. You see, if God wanted to just be 
uh, demonstrate his sovereignty and control everything, he wouldn't need you. You ever wonder why God has armies? Like legit, <laughs> like just, just legit. Have any of you ever sat down like, why does God have an army? I do. But that brings me to the understanding of many things. Why does God have a council? Why does God have an inner circle? Because although God doesn't need anything, he loves to share that with us. Because God's not a lazy God. Let me say that again, because I know a lot of Christians that have this idea of a lazy heaven. Our God is a, is a God of action. Our God don't sleep. Our God don't stop. Our God don't, don't take breaks. Our God is a God of action. His name is a name of action. I am. And therefore, he calls us to action to, to work with him. And we see here, Paul saying, for this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift that God's given you. See, God gives us gifts that we can use for the wrong reasons. For example, you all know that one of the gifts God's given me is communication and, and this ability to connect with people. I've used this gift prior to even coming to the Lord. But when you use it for something that God didn't give it to you for, you'll never reach the full potential. There are people that use their God-given gifts for things that they shouldn't use it for. But when you fan it into flame, when you focus on building it for the kingdom, that's when its true power comes out. That's when that flame really starts moving. Oh, I see a spinny, a spinny thing. Hold on. Are you back? Oh, you're muted. I'm trying to come on with my phone. But no, I think your service is a lot better. Is it? Yeah, it's still got a delay to it a bit, which I bet if you turn off the camera on your phone and you were just on it like a phone call, that might even make it even better. But you definitely, um, at least your clarity and hearing you is way better. Okay, cool. Let me just. Have you been listening? You got anything you want to chime see. in with? One, two, check. One, two. I have been listening and I agree with everything you're saying. So, amen. Praise God for He's that. He's back. He's back. Let's see. Cool. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right. And we can get through this. Yes, sir. All right. Let's uh let's let's keep rolling and then and then I'll pass it to you clearly. So that way you know when you've been passed to. I'm going to hit this passage right here. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. I want to keep reading, but I want to stop for a second. Because here's what people, I think, fail to realize. There are great things that God has planned for you, but none of them have to do with your purposes. And, and, and what the enemy does is he takes that promise that God has for your life and he flips it to you being the priority of it. God's purpose is not you to have your business. God's purpose is not for your marriage to be the greatest thing ever. You got to put that work in. Yes. Like, it's not like God's going to do that and flick his fingers. His purpose is that the will of God will be done and that the gospel will be spread and the kingdom will come. And that's happening whether you like it or not. You could be a part of that 
or you can get it passed on. It can pass you. But he says, not because of our works. He has called us because of his purposes. So if you're yeah. not focused on his purposes, how can you be focused on this calling? Because if he called you for that, but you're focused over here, can you possibly be also focused on the calling? Not if the calling's on his purposes. And that's the thing. People want to fan the wrong thing into flame. They want to fan in what they think they need in their life. I need to do this. And I've said this before, but we might have new people here. So I want to say it this way. And I'm going to say it again, because this is one of the most powerful prayers I ever prayed. And, and it changed my life. So I warn you now. This ain't, this ain't a game to play. So if you pray these types of prayers, know that he listens and he answers. But instead of asking him in your prayers all the time, Father, you know, I've got this going on and please be with me and help me with this, Lord, and, and help me figure out what job I need. And Lord, I need your help with this and give me clarity on this. And you might not realize it, but what we're doing is be involved in what I'm doing. But when is the last time you said, Lord, can I be involved in what you're doing? Now, again, I'm warning you. <laughs> man he hears and that's a change mm. things can change real quick in your life and you find out that everything that you were holding on to was a waste of time because one day it will all perish and fade away but the thing i'm holding on to now won't the thing i'm holding on to now will last for all eternity and that's him i used to hold on to things that will literally vanish in the next 60 to 80 years if i even have that much time left i'm trying to hold on to what i have for eternity Yo, you got anything you want to add, JD? Good. I know I was going to finish the passage, but I had to stop there. Wow, that that is that is so good. You know, I've always I've always said that. You know, praying the prayer of Lord make me humble is is one of those <laughs> one of those dangerous prayers. That's one of those dangerous prayers because when it comes to and and this is the thing when it comes to when it comes to being refined by God, um, and being put being put through the fire, being molded. Um, and I've said it so many times on my live streams, I've heard you say it in, in, along similar lines in your live streams, you know, being used by God or being a vessel. I mean, we've gone through 1 Corinthians 3 on this podcast, maybe like 20, 30 times, but being a vessel to be used for his purpose and because of his mercies and by his grace, this requires, requires you to be refined by God. So praying prayers like exactly like that, let me be used for your purpose, make me humble, um, is, is where we start realizing how severe the battle between the flesh and the spirit actually is. Because you will be tested in, in areas of the flesh that you thought you could not, could not be tested. And ultimately, humility comes. Uh, true strength is born in in humility. If if the the strongest men I know and the most the the biblical leaders I look up to and the men of God who I can say I trust their preaching, if you if you've spoken to them in person, you've heard about their lives, you've gone through their stories. These are not guys that are any different to to Mike and I. They have the same battle with the flesh. They have the same subtle sins they have to contend with all the time. They have the same issues uh, with their health from time to time. They they are not exempt from this. And I think this is kind of this is kind of what Paul is portraying to Timothy here as well, saying, You've seen everything I've gone through. So 
when you go through these things, don't be surprised. Don't be like, oh, why am I going through these things? Um, and again, we this is where we we raise the red flag to to those who preach a gospel that promotes you and and elevates you to a position where God hasn't elevated you. God hasn't put you there. Um, and and Paul makes it so clear to to Timothy, but share in the suffering for the gospel, for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. So everything about this gospel is we're saved by grace through faith because of God. God extends his arm to us. Jesus Christ himself says, I call my sheep, hear my voice. It, it's at no point is, is, is this ever about us going to God saying, yo, dude, I heard about you. Um, I'm in. Where's my badge? I'd like to join the club. Do I get a name card? Do I get a, you know, do I get a membership service? Do I get perks now that I'm in the family? This is, these are not, these are not gospel messages. These are saturated, watered down messages and they're dangerous. They're extremely, extremely dangerous. Oh, see, I, I, I pick up the cues. Let's keep rolling with it now. Let's keep rolling with it. Here we go. Um, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our savior, Christ Jesus. What does that mean that he gave us before the ages began? So many people read it and they'll, they'll go over it because they don't want to address it. There are people that don't want to talk about it. They just want, yeah, you know, it, it says it, whatever. But what does it mean that he has done this? And even if we don't understand the science of it, right? I'm not sitting here about to say that we're about to understand it. Here's what we do know. that God had determined prior to your existence, how he's going to do things and how he's going to save people. And you're a part of that group. And that was done before you existed. So how is there something in your existence that's going to change his decision already made in eternity past? Like, like we can, we can sit here and try and discuss how we ended up in that group. Did I make a decision on that? Was there freedom? And what was God's part? How about we just, Hey, the product, if you're in that group, this decision was made, whether we know how it works or whatnot in eternity past before you ever drew a breath, God knew every sin you would commit. We live inside time and we sit in here like, well, what if, you know, I mess up tomorrow and then God. Man, God already planned this before you existed. This is, it's locked. It is, he knows the end. He knows exactly what will come. Yes, we still have to live mm. it out. This is what makes me so mad, JD. People be like, so since God knows, then it's not, then I don't, then I don't have a choice. No, it's just that God knows your choice. Don't try and punish God because you don't understand it. People be trying to punish God like because he knows the future. It's his fault if he doesn't make me do all the best things. He knows the future, not you. You got to figure this out. Like, that's him. You're not God. You don't get to know the future. First of all, your brain would probably melt if we tried to even fathom it. Just like, oh, I don't even know how to even think right now. But mm. God knows your choice. That doesn't take your choice from you. But the point is that what he's done, it's done. It's, he's not watching with you, waiting for his moment to step in. God doesn't need to wait yeah. for his moment to step in in your life. If God isn't present, it's because he made a decision not to be. Therefore, he probably knows that you're going to be able to be able to go through what you go through. People oftentimes think God yeah. is silent, but the truth is he might just be sitting there like, uh, come on, you got it. Get up. Get, 
get up and Amen. go through the fire. He says, Amen. now, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. What is Christ? He is the wisdom of God manifested. And what did Jesus do? Who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Say it one more time, Paul, just in case they didn't hear you in the back from prison cell. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. All the pastors in today's culture need to hear this. Stop trying to come up with a new way to spread the gospel. Stop trying to come up with a new way to reach people. Paul said, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. The gospel's worked since day one. It don't need your help. It was made by God and not man. You can't do better than God does. He knows how to give a good news. Your news ain't better than God's news. Follow the pattern Amen. of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Do y'all see it? Mm. Before I pass it to JD, Man. affirmation of the Holy Trinity. Mm. In the first chapter, we see in the first 10 verses or uh, sorry, first 14 verses, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. On top of that, we see him talking about Notice he tells you to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And people will look at that and try and say, look, you have to guard it. But what did he just say prior? I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He's telling you to do your part, obviously. I always want to ask people, what did you want him to say rather than that? Like, if God is God and he's able to protect me, is that permission to be like, all right, everybody. So God's really like, you know. The, the man and we really don't have to worry about anything so mm. you know like we just talked about it a minute ago that god doesn't need me but he 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 has great things in his purposes that he allows me to be a part of allows me to be a part of yeah so i it's just this weird dynamic where it's either or like it has to be either you're going hard working for your salvation or you could care less about anything what that's not how that works all right, now yeah. I'm done on my soapbox, JD. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Again, we see we see the triune God of Scripture, and what we see more than anything is the argument against eternal security and one saved, almost saved, debunked by Paul's opening 14 verses of his final letter to Timothy. There, end of argument. It's not even argument. He will guard it. You do your part to guard it. So again, he's he's putting emphasis on the fact that God is the one who does it through you, but you need to recognize what God is doing through you. This is the this is the key. This is the key. It's not a question of you doing something. It's recognizing what God is doing in you, and and that is the biggest problem we deal with with Christianity today. And and just to digress for a second, because this is an important an important question. Um, and I just want to I just want to touch on this. So people who are not called, let me just put it up here on the screen. So we have this. So people who are not called, and we still pray for them. Does that prayer get ignored because that person is not called? 
Okay, so this is where we get into the discussion of, of God's sovereignty. And 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 legit, it's a good it's a good question. Um, and when we look at when we look at God's sovereignty and we, we look at the New Testament passages, we can't cherry pick certain verses and go, okay, well, there we have it. These people are predestined to be doomed. They were born to be like Judas. Um and that's that's a big problem. That's a big problem with our worldview, and and what that does is uh, it puffs Christians up. And and ultimately, this is where we disagree. Well, I at least disagree with my Calvinist brothers and sisters when it comes to biblical predestination. So, not to go into that too much on this channel, Mike did a full one-hour video on predestination. So, I suggest you you go through that and unpack that, but. What do we see in Colossians? That it is the it's 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 the desire, and in this very we're going to see this in Timothy too. God's desire is for all men to be saved. It that's His desire. the 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 fact that God knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end doesn't determine the fact that we stop preaching the gospel. We wouldn't be commissioned to preach the gospel. We wouldn't be told to preach the gospel to the lost. We wouldn't be told to persuade the, persuade all men. By preaching of the truth. So this is a heart condition and a worldview. If if the person's worldview is flawed, their heart condition will become callous. So whoever you know or love that isn't saved at the moment, the difference between them coming to the knowledge of the truth and not coming to the knowledge of the truth would be in the way you represent Jesus Christ. Because a lot of people turn away from Christianity and deconstruct from their faith because they never truly knew Jesus because of the people they thought were teaching them about Jesus. They weren't teaching them about Jesus at all. They were teaching them about a false Christ. Um, and I know Mike's got a lot to add here, so I'm going to stop, give him three seconds to catch up, and then <laughs> go on. So I will say this, though. Um, the whole time that you were talking and I wanted to speak and I had to learn patience, I was thinking the last time our internet worked well, we discussed I had a problem interrupting you. So this might be God teaching me patience because I'm sitting here like, don't talk, don't talk, wait your turn. So I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, <laughs> I wanted to just know there wasn't a lot I need to add because you 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 hit the nail on the head. But what is it? Sorry, I was reading a comment, but I want to talk on that. Again, we, we try to understand things and it really hurts our brains. And this is the question that you'll see a lot of people ask. Well, if God knows what's going to happen anyway, why pray? And if you want to do that game, we can do that and say, yes, you're right. God knows everything. So why did Jesus say, ask for our daily bread? Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why, why would I say thy will be done? on earth as it is in heaven. God don't need me to tell him to do that. It's going to happen. Why would I say, give us this daily bread when I, he, he's going to give me my daily bread? I'm not saying that in a cocky way. I'm saying that God knows who he's going to take care of and he's going to take care of them, right? Uh, why do we do that? Because I'm still within time, right? Because when Jesus walked within time with us, we treated him like he was within time and treated him like the king, even though he knew tomorrow. Just because God is beyond me doesn't mean I get to be beyond me. Like, well, God's beyond me, so, you know, whatever, you know? Like, no, I'm, I'm, that's not my role. I don't, I don't wear those shoes. I don't have that hat. Mm. <laughs> I'm within time. Mm. So why do I pray? Because he told me to pray. And you know what I've learned? 
even though God might know the answer during my prayer, I feel that connection to him and I'm reminded about things. Is for all we know, prayers for us. Because what does Romans 8 say? When you don't know what to pray, the pray, the spirit intercedes on your behalf. So the spirit's praying for what I need. And when I verbally am praying, it's probably because that's what I need. Like I need to talk to him at that moment. The spirit's asking for what I actually need. We, 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 I get it too. Like, so that person's already doomed. Yes, for God, because God's outside of time and he sees the end process. And I guess that sucks in our mind to think like that that's inevitable, but that's because we're trying to think at it, think of it from God's uh, uh, perspective. You don't know anybody's end. So you should put the work in until the moment that they end, period. This is why it bothers me when people yeah. try and say that depending on your view of sovereignty, it can change, uh, you know, the need for evangelism. That's a lie because I know Calvinists that evangelize and non-Calvinists that evangelize because regardless where you line on the spectrum of sovereignty, we were called to spread the word of God. And how Amen. do I know me doing that isn't a part of God's sovereignty? It is obviously. It is part of his plan. I'm a part of it. So instead of sitting here saying God's going to do it, you're right. God is going to do it. Would you rather him do it with you or without you? I don't know about you, but I want to serve yeah. my king, right? So that's what I tell people. Let's stop yeah. worrying about the, the problem is we want to be God. We want to learn how to manage or does it. You're at McDonald's and you've been asked to flip burgers and you're like, hey, you, you guys know how they bounce books here? You think taxes are pretty simple? It's not your role. <laughs> you are not God. It is not your role to know how it all works. Your role is to listen and obey. Yes, Father. All right. That's that's really what it is. Um, but yeah, let's let's keep going down the line of scripture. Um verse 15. You are aware, and all who are in Asia turned away from me. I'm sorry, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are I apologize for that one. That was a strong yawn. I couldn't stop it. Uh, Phygelus, <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce that one. And Hermogenes, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of uh, Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. And then Paul's about to, now Paul's done with his introduction, right? He, he, he greets Timothy. He imparts love to him and, and says, I wish these great things for you. I hope that you can get out here and let the, your, your, your fire for God burn. Then he gives peace and love to others. He thanks people. And then he rolls into the letter. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he is passing this knowledge for Timothy to move forward and do exactly what he has been training him to do. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So he's sitting here in jail, writing to Timothy, being persecuted for the faith. He knows he's about to die for the faith. And he's writing who he loves to say, all right, your turn. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And now Paul's about to go through several like analogies kind of. And, and I think the problem here, JD, is a lot of people see this as Paul telling you how not to lose your salvation. 
So far, guys, does anything in this have anything? Do you guys think Paul doubts Timothy's salvation at all? Do you see that in this letter? He is not writing to Timothy in fear of Timothy's lost salvation because he knows the Lord is going to take care of Timothy. He's giving Timothy encouragement for a, a journey, for that race that we run where there may be a reward at the end. Because I don't know if y'all realize this, but Paul is well aware of rewards that God gives and he seeks them. He, Yes, he's humble in the flesh, but he boasts in the spirit and he's not scared of it at all. He says it. He says like, and if I wanted to boast, I could say this, but I boast this. And like he, he, he's very uh, focused on the rewards of God. So listen what he says. He's, this isn't about losing salvation. This is a call to stop being a lazy Christian because this is how Paul builds up Timothy. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So the soldier get, doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. He, his aim is to please who enlisted him. The world is the civilians. And as a Marine, I can tell you what this feels like. You go to work every day. You're on base. These people have a different mindset. You're, you're with people who share in a mindset with you. Your, your priorities are the same. Your values are the same. Your goals are the same. You are following guidelines the same. You live in a structured world. And then when you look at civilians, I'm just going to be honest with you, any vet can promise you that, I mean, can agree with this. I guarantee it. You look at them like, like heathens. I'm going to just be honest. Maybe not all. Marines, at least, are just like, look at these guys. Sloppy wild, just doing whatever, right? We had this look at them and we're not worried about what they're doing. Likewise, if you serve God, we should be apart from the world, not in a fear base of you're going to lose your salvation. Why would you want to? What do you gain? If you join the military, what would you gain by spending every day with civilians? How would you grow, grow in the military? How would you grow in your position? How would you get better at what you do? How would you learn how to lead if you spent every day with civilians? Then he says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, saying that there's ways to go about this, that you have to do this according to a certain way. You can't just go out here and be reckless. There's training, which we're going to see him give him guidance on here shortly. And then he says it is the hardworking Amen. farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Jesus tells us all the time about those that sow in the kingdom with him. And he talks about the harvest. Again, there's a fine line between the humility in Christ, but also the competitive spirit that Paul wants to drive in us. Because hear me out. Imagine if Christians were competitive about earning rewards in heaven. Just, just think about it, guys. Imagine Christians competitive about earning rewards in heaven and what that means. Because how do Christians earn rewards in heaven? By being out there and serving the kingdom. Imagine it. If we lifted each other up, like, nah, bro, today, bro, I'm gonna make father proud. I'm gonna make Abba proud. Like, nah, bro, I'm about to go out there and do it. All right, JD, I'm done with these analogies. I passed the mic. <laughs> but but that's so good. It's spot on. Um, and again, this is when we talk about being heavenly minded, when we talk about being kingdom minded, when we talk about being focused on things that are above, what does Paul say? Keep your mind on things that are above, not on things that are beneath. And 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 I like the way that the KJV puts this this verse because he says to us that no man that worth, so no soldier of God that's at war entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That's what he says in the KJV. So 
when when we look at this <clears throat> and we look at the, the language Paul is using, yes, the same same language he uses in Ephesians when he tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual enemy, and that we are to put on the armor of God and and be be ready for the battle that is at hand. So again, when it comes to serving the kingdom, you've got to come to the place where you recognize that everybody who is outside of the faith is the mission field. But at the same time, you're as, as much as they are the mission field, they're also the enemy of the cross. They're also the enemy of the cross. So you've got, and this is where we have to step outside of our human understanding and, and not try and figure something out in your three pound brain, but rather trust the working of God. So when we approach people with love and we approach them with the truth of God's word, this is what we are, we are seeing. Paul says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. What is he saying? Since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Again, Paul also puts emphasis on the fact that when we're doing things, we don't do things for, for lip service and eye service. We don't work for our earthly masters as if to please our earthly masters. He says you work for your earthly masters as if as if to please your heavenly father. You're doing this to the goodness and the, the greatness of God, not because you want to tap on the back and go, hey, look at all the work he's putting in, but rather focused on how is this furthering the kingdom of God? Again, how is your walk with walking out the gospel representing Christ Jesus? And, and this is the entirety of this, of, of this letter. And in order for us to go through this whole letter, it, it would literally, I think we've tried. We've never gotten through Second Timothy in an, in an hour and a half podcast because no. there's just too much to unpack here. The, oh, I didn't expect to get, I there's didn't just too much to, to unpack. Chapter two. Yeah. And, and, and this is, and, and the reality is, this is how we should be reading our, our Bibles. This is how we should be reading our Bibles. Take what he's saying and chew on what he's saying. Don't draw. Mm -hmm. and, and this is where we are so, against narcissists and eisegesis where you 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 interpret yourself into the text or extract <laughs> from the text and 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 make it say what it doesn't say because nowhere here is paul even insinuating that salvation is something that that is uh, that is up to you and that you can lose it that's not that's not what he's hinting at yet at all i have a question maybe i misheard you but did you say narcissists <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is there, there's a term called narcissist where people <laughs> literally add, yeah, yeah, and you know what that narcissist uh. is? is where people insert their name. So let's say, for example, where, where Peter's walking on the water, they'll replace Peter with their own name and say, oh, I'm the one walking on the water. Yeah, yeah, I'm the one walking on the water. No, you're not. That was Peter. It's got nothing to do with you. The, the, you the story is there to teach us something. It's not you, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, absolutely. It's not clever. Absolutely. Um, I want to. Uh, I saw a couple comments real quick. I wanted to address. Someone mentioned that 
their testimony isn't rough because they didn't have a rough life. And that's one reason why I'm not a big fan of using testimonies to evangelize. At the same time, yes, I do like it when it's necessary, but it shouldn't be the automatic thing because then some people believe that they don't have a testimony because everybody thinks it's this miracle, you know, like God came to me on the road like Paul, but not everybody has that conversion. But that doesn't make it less of a testimony because you're still a sinner that was destined to hell. Like your debt was just as much as mine. You were just as dirty as me. Uh, uh, I'm no uh, greater uh, saving than you are, right? Uh, uh, don't ever let anyone make you feel like your testimony is not a testimony. But we don't give our testimony because of all the miraculous things in it. Our testimony should be powerful just because I was dead in my sins and now I'm alive. And, and that's what matters, mm. right? Uh, so don't let anybody get you work, uh, get you feeling like you're less of a Christian because you didn't get super persecuted. You might have just Hey, God bless, right? Let's not let's not get upset that God allowed your parents to that 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 probably I'm going to assume that they served him, right? Because let's be honest, if we trust the word of God, right? I would expect I hope my children don't have it as rough as me because I'm supposed to raise them up in the way that that the Lord has taught me and they won't depart from it and and have a long life if they respect me and like our goal is to we we don't want them to have our testimony, right? Because regardless, that doesn't lessen God. If my son comes to Jesus in a buttercup way with no pain, that's just because God was so powerful. He saved a wretch like me to have children like my son. So like it's, it doesn't take from God. Okay. Just want to make sure I emphasize that for you guys. I love you all to death. Don't let anyone ever um, make you feel that way. Um, yeah. Oh, and, 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 Amen. and there was one more thing that I was thinking of while JD was talking, because it's important that we're in the word of God and JD mentioned it. And tonight I was at uh, my church at an, at a thing that we do on Wednesdays. And I talked about it with them as well. Something I've shared with you guys many times, probably, but we need to be in the word of God daily. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, you have to have these in-depth Bible studies every day. Right. I don't want you to get this idea like I could never do that. Mike and JD probably sit down and do these in that. Maybe JD does. I don't know. I don't. I'm in the Bible every day. And the length of that and the quality of that can vary. But I, I try to get in every day and, and I might miss a day. Right. Set a goal every day. But it's important because here's the real problem. A lot of people like to flick the light switch on and off between when they're a Christian and when they're not. And when you do that, you're hopping back and forth between worlds. And it's real simple to fall into that world over there again and go through long periods where you've been away from God. And the truth is, it's not that God's been silent. It's just that you keep going back and forth and you lost track of time on that side of things. Stop hitting the light switch and, and, and live for him daily and make that who you are every day. That's your identity every day. And that's where we're going to we see Paul yeah. kind of emphasizing with the word of God for uh, Timothy. As he goes on, uh, where were we at? Let me see. Um, oh, we just read those little uh, analogy things. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. This is an important one I have highlighted because some people confuse this. Why does Paul sometimes say my gospel or why does Paul sometimes say uh, the gospel given to me? So people misunderstand parts of speech, and I don't know why, because it's not that confusing, right? So the gospel is Jesus's gospel. However, if the context is that there are false gospels present, then I would say my gospel, right? To, because they're claiming they have the gospel of Jesus too. So how would I differ? 
differentiate between the gospel I preach and the gospel preached by those people, right? Because as Paul's about to go into, he's he's talking about these false Christs. He's talking about these false believers, and, and he's warning people of these things, right? So yes, my good news, what I've been bringing, that doesn't suddenly mean like, oh, look, Paul has his own gospel. No, it's just alter. It's just how he's uh, uh, presenting or or speaking about it in that context. For which I am suffering, verse nine, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have, and so by the way, what's about to happen right here? So we see this little moment where Paul's about to kind of quote some stuff, but really what we see here isn't any Old Testament quotes or anything like that. This is more of something that they would have recognized. Most likely Timothy would have recognized this as I'm going to assume like a creed or something. And listen what he says. If we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure with him, I mean, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. This is where I really want to put some focus and I want JD to add his two cents. People get this and try and use parts of this to pick things apart. We have to take it all at one. What is Paul doing here? Mm. It can't be random either. Like there's a point. So clearly he separates this in a way that he, like I said, this is a creed. At least it looks like he says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him to die with him is to come to him and put your faith with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Notice there's a separation. Endurance will reign. And then if you die with him, you'll live with him. And we know Jesus speaks of entering the kingdom of heaven and inheriting. Again, these rewards, there's reigning with him. So we see if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Hebrews 12, endurance is for discipline. Then he says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And this can be confusing. Wait, this feels like it's a contradiction. Because if I deny him, then he will also deny us. But if I'm faithless, he remains faithful. And I believe that there's a reason why this is exactly like this. Those that deny him will be denied. But those that are truly in him, no matter how much they stumble, they will never fall. Because he cannot deny himself. I have to always look at the totality of scripture. And I know JD can Amen. confirm this and the Bible can confirm this. Paul has Amen. constantly referred to all believers have Christ in them. So that person right here cannot deny himself has Christ in him. This is someone who has straight Amen. up denied him. Amen. You want to add Amen. anything to this, Amen. this moment? Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ himself said to deny ah oh, he froze you froze let's see if you come right back all right i'm gonna wait till he comes back and if he comes back while i'm talking then he comes back while i'm talking he's probably over there doing so um just while i'm waiting for him more i really emphasize in here so what do we see here again you need to understand something. Just because we believe that eternal security is a thing, it doesn't mean that we assume everybody is truly saved and therefore eternally secure. 
So people wonder why Paul would say something like this, because I don't know everybody around me is truly in Christ. Hey, if we deny him, then he will deny us. Like I'm telling you that John says that they're with us, but if they left us, then they were never of us. Right. Um, I think that, oh, so yeah, he really lost internet there, but I think that we cannot take this apart again. When Paul was writing this, he wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do verse 11 here. And you know what? I'm going to end 11, one ver one sentence into this, this thing that I'm purposely separating. And then I'm going to break it down to three verses altogether with a little mixture of the verse after and the verse before. And hopefully people understand that I'm really wanting you to understand verse 12 means you can lose your salvation. Verse 13 means you can never lose your salvation. And you need to go ahead and take both of those and blend them together. That's not what Paul's doing. I got confused even trying to pretend Paul was doing that, right? And this is what, if you guys really want to know if someone's lying to you about scripture, when someone teaches you something, here's what you do. For Mike too, listen, let's say I told you that this means something, right? Come in here and read from here beyond it and ask yourself, did what I told you go with the top and the bottom or did it feel like it got added in? Let's just, let's just for example, something real quick. Um, oh, I got it. Matthew 7, while we wait for JD, a little learning moment of how someone's lying to you. Someone tells you Matthew 7, 21 is about actual believers losing their salvation. Okay, so if that's true, let's read it all now. Matthew 7 opens up with don't judge hypocritically. Make sure that you judge yourself first so that way you can help out each other. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek uh, him. Uh, the father won't give you a serpent. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Enter the narrow gate. Okay, okay. Beware false prophets. These people are dangerous. They're going to pretend to be Christians and they're not really Christian. And not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, wait a minute. So they want me to believe this is believers right here. Why would Jesus randomly go from beware false prophets who come in sheep's clothing? Why would he say all these people that, that don't bear good fruit, the fruit, they're cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, why would he go from false prophets to believers losing their salvation. Do that with anything. I've seen people try and say things about the scriptures and it's like you realize in order for that to be true, the rest of the page would make no sense, right? Like the rest of the scripture falls apart because why in the world would Paul randomly change up topics just to meet your doctrinal needs? Makes no sense. So that's always important to do. Oh, so, excuse me. Sorry. Let's keep going. We'll find out if JD comes back. Um, If he doesn't, we'll keep rocking out. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God. So who's he talking about? Why, let's go back real quick. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Let's go back a little bit before that. Oh, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring as preached by my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains. He's telling Timothy, right, to do what he's doing. So then he says, remind them of these things and charge them before God. Wait a minute. So this is what he's saying to remind them. So this also isn't just for Timothy. He's saying to remind people this. Tell the people. Remind them and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Man, this is something that, listen to me, listen to me. 
Oh, man. This is the advertisement he gets us. If any of y'all saw one of my videos, I said, if there was nobody in the room to say that this will only, like, if they're really a Christian company, I want you to hear me say this. Somebody in the room should have said, this is going to cause more problems than help because we're going to have people fighting over it. Because we need to be aware of that as Christians. You got to ask yourself, is it worth it? There has been videos I could have made that I chose not to because I knew it would not be worth it. The comments would be just disrespectful, hateful, and just crazy. Okay, JD, I saw you on the comments. Um, all good, bro. I will talk to you on Discord as soon as we finish up here. I keep yawning. JD's gone. I can't even uh, speak without yawning nonstop. Woo, okay. But no, when we have these conversations, we have to understand who's watching, who is watching, because man, I'm telling you, people are watching and they can ruin the hearers, especially believers. You know how many believers have come to me saying like, Mike, what about this? And what about that? And I'm like, where did they hear these things from? And they hear it from Christians having some dumb conversations, absolutely dumb conversations, conversations that suit nothing conversations that help not a single person's kingdom uh, mission in life. Not one, not one. Like, what are y'all arguing about over here? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Oh man, as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Has no reason to be ashamed. Ask yourself legitimately, honestly, because I'd rather you feel convicted than Mike saying anything smooth or smart. Ask yourself right now, if you had to stand before God and talk about the things that you do for the kingdom, not for salvation, just have a talk with God. If you had to stand before God and talk to him, and when he asks these questions, you have to either give excuses or answers, would you be ashamed? Look at me. Would you be ashamed? You too on TikTok. Don't get away from this. If you had to sit with the Lord right now and he said, my son or my daughter, why are you only reading the scripture? Fill in the blank. What's your answer to him? It's supposed to feel convicting. I hope it does. Present yourself as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Again, not talking about your salvation. And here's the problem. So many people have that conversation about salvation. We don't have time to have these conversations. People spend so much time worrying about, am I saved? There's no time for us to talk about now that we're saved. How are we going to walk in this light? Now that we're saved, how are we going to battle this spiritual warfare? Now that we're saved, how are we going to bring people the gospel? Because too many people spend their time thinking that this isn't meant to build me up, but rather to make sure like I don't fall away. That's not what this is for. Again, read this and tell me, do y'all really think Paul's worried about Timothy falling away? Or is he trying to make sure Timothy fills his shoes properly? Do your best to present yourselves to God. I can't say this, you it's just stupid, guys. I apologize. It's JD's fault. Normally, if JD's not here, I'd be able to sneak off camera and get a good yawn in. I blame him 100%. Blame him so much. But avoid irreverent babble. Oh, actually, let me go back real quick. We, we forgot this one. Rightly handling the word of truth. 
That's one that you hear a lot on TikTok today. In fact, I guarantee you there are people watching me right now that would disagree with me on what this means. There are people that will. How do you do a show when you can't stop yawning? How? Ah, got my eyes watering now. Look like I'm over here crying. Like it's a deep sentimental topic. How do we go about the uh, understanding what this is saying? So again, context is building him up to serve the kingdom, living by the word, bringing the word to people, bringing the gospel to people, staying away from nonsense. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker. What are we working with? What's that worker, right? Every word here matters. Ephesians chapter two, Paul says that God has works planned beforehand for us. First Corinthians three says we're his fellow workers. So this worker that we are is his fellow workers, not ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So that's how I make sure to present myself as one approved by rightly handling the word of truth. Okay. What is the word of truth? I'm going to actually give people a chance to answer this question in the, in the um, comment section. What do you believe? Oh, the word of truth is. What does he mean by the word of truth? Got to bind those Johns. I bind them. I haven't seen the right answer yet. Going off of big, 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 big local, biblical definitions. There we go. Zamarian and Juan uh, uh, got it. And here's what we're going to go look at. Let's go to Ephesians 1. So Paul writes Ephesians 1, right? Watch how the author will define things for you. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, and this Paul does this more than once. The gospel is the word of truth, right? So this is important, right? Because Paul's going to talk about all of scripture in, in the letter of 2 Timothy, but right here he's not talking about that. Right here he's talking about rightly handling or rightly dividing is what some people like to uh, uh, use because the King James Version, the word of truth, the gospel. So what is he saying? Some people look at this and they divide the Bible literally. We have to understand that, first of all, the New Testament doesn't even exist yet at this time. And Paul teaches the gospel out of the Old Testament. <sighs> Excuse me, this will be a terrible episode on Spotify because you can't see me yawning. So it's just going to be random breaks at times. Rightly handling the word of truth is not dividing the scriptures between Jew and Gentile. It's not the New Testament, and the Old Testament. No, it's one, something you can only do with the Holy Spirit. It's being able to, go, the veil being removed, going into the scriptures and being able to rightly divide, rightly to handle the word of truth that is in the word because the word has been veiled to those who are not believers and the gospel is present all throughout the Old Testament. You ever wonder why as believers, you look at the Old Testament and you're like, why didn't the Jews understand this? It's right here. It's right here. Oh, it's here too. It's here too. It's here too. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like we look at the Old Testament like, come on, come on. Like I've seen Christians reading Old Testament for the first time and coming to spots like, did the Jews not read this? But it, they did. 
just like Muslims read the scriptures and then think something. You're like, where did you, you be looking at, I hear some arguments from Muslims and I, I forget that you need the Holy spirit to understand the scriptures. Cause I'd be like, where did you even think you saw that? But I had to come to terms with the fact that the scriptures are clearly veiled. That's what God says. In fact, the scripture says Satan veils it. God allows Satan to veil it for them because what he they, he does is he places their own passions there. And Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, sorry. The Holy Spirit tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us in the scriptures, what? That people suppress the truth by their own unrighteousness, their own sinful desires. They don't want to know the truth. They didn't want to. Let's keep reading. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Why is Paul saying that right there? Why is Paul saying the Lord knows who are his? He's quoting Numbers 16. He's quoting uh, a couple other spots in the New Testament. Obviously, John chapter 10, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. All right, someone told me to hold my breath for 10 seconds. And if I hold my breath for 10 seconds, I should stop yawning. So, we're going to try it. All right. I'm sorry, I had a laugh right there. All right, I, I did it. Please, please, let's hope that I stop yawning. I think we're good. I think we might be good. All right, someone asked about veiling of scripture. So while we take this little break for my breath thing here, um, I believe it's here. Hold on, hold on. Here we go. I will find it for you, sir. When someone asks, what's that meme? I don't know where it is, but I will find it. Where's the people in the uh, comment section to tell me where it is? Where's it at where it says, if uh, if the gospel be veiled, it is the, the God of this world uh, blinding their eyes? Oh, someone said it, 2 Corinthians 4.4. Oh, here it is. Yeah. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Um, so right there, that's that's what I was uh, referencing earlier. So he's pointing out clearly after talking about these two before I yawned. And now I remember what I was asking you guys about why Paul goes out of his way to say this. But notice how he points out these two that were clearly walking with them. And it says they've swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. And then he he mentions like, look, these people are upsetting the faith, but God's foundation stands bearing this seal. And that's the seal that we bear. The Lord knows those are his, that those who are his. It ain't these. Hymenaeus and Philetus, people will see who swerve from the truth and say, look, Mike, swerve from the truth. Again, we have to make sure that we don't take language and say, well, that must mean that they fell away from salvation. Well, no, you could be in truth without being a firm believer of Christ because you could be walking with us and saying, yeah, you know, that sounds like it's, yeah, you know what? There are people in your church right now that say they believe that aren't, aren't believers. I just want to be honest with you. Maybe you don't know this yet. Um, but there are people in your church who don't actually believe. I, I promise you that. Um, I can guarantee it almost in every single church. I doubt there's a single church where it's a 100% uh, rate of Holy Spirit and dwelt believers to congregation numbers. And then he rolls into which many of you, a part that many of you have heard me talk about before in the past because it's one of my favorite passages. In fact, I just made a video on this last night. There's that yawn. <sighs> Holding my breath for 10 seconds did not work. Uh, Tamira, so they weren't talking about Jesus's resurrection. They were talking about the resurrection, meaning the second resurrection, meaning Jesus's return, right? Um, talking about a different resurrection, right? So now that Christ has risen, when we talk about the coming resurrection, that is our resurrection, right? And we know that we will rise because he rose. And this is what Paul talks about in Thessalonians, about how if Christ didn't rise, well, then we can't rise. Um, so that's where he's talking about. There, uh, now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. And a good way that I use to picture this, uh, again, I made a video about this last night if you want to go further into it, but is picture the fact that in your house, you have certain things that you keep to the side for when nice guests come over. It might be the nice dishes, the nice cups, the nice drink, uh, something that you don't pull out for the everyday use, right? And likewise, in the kingdom of God, God has different believers. Let's just be honest. He's got Paul's and then he's got, I don't know, uh, uh, Ananias who lies and stuff, right? There's different levels of believers. Notice how right before this, what we were just talking about before we lost JD, giving encouragement to run in the race, to be competitive, to, to focus on this journey of bringing the gospel to people. And here he comes again, talking about, look, in this master's house, you could be this or that. You could be the one for dishonorable use or the one for honorable use, right? And then what does he say? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So look, you can accept that Christ is your savior and you can live with him. But those that endure will reign with him. Paul just said this earlier in the chapter, right? Now he's setting it up. 
if you want God to look at you and say, I want to use you, you got to step out of your comfort zone and cleanse yourself and focus on these things. I'm going to be real with y'all. God promised to save you, ain't promised to use you. If you want God to use you, make yourself usable. It's, it's no different than anything. If my son wants me to give him more opportunities, he's got to show me his responsibility. that He's able to do these things that I've already given him to do. Why would I give more responsibilities to a child who's been disobedient? So many people want God's blessings as if God promised to bless. He never promised to bless you anything. No parent is going to reward a disobedient child. There's a lot of Christians out there that go to bed and this is what they say to their friends or their Christian friends or whatever. I, I just feel like God's not listening or God's not answering. I'm just waiting on God. The truth is God's waiting on them. He's waiting on them to be obedient. He's the dad at the grocery store saying like, yo, stop. And you're just sitting there like, daddy, I want this. Dad, I want this. Dad, I want this. And he's like, stop. If you just for a second, he's going to take care of you. Dad ain't never failed you before. Be quiet, sit down and be obedient. And if you are obedient, you could be useful to him for every good work. Do you want to know why it's important to stay in shape as a Christian? Because God might have a plan to use you where you need to go walking up mountains. You know why it's important to quit smoking cigarettes? Because God might need to use you where cancer can't help you. People forget this. Yes, you're right. God saved you and this body can wither away. Yes. But they ask this question, should I quit doing this because it's a sin? How about you want to serve God and that's not beneficial to me? This is what I try and tell people all the time. People always ask me, Mike, is this a sin? Is this a sin? Paul stops talking about sin. He talks about the sin of the world, but as believers, notice he says what? He says, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are good for me. And he goes on to talking about how through his sharing of the gospel, he'll do anything if the purpose is to help people. He said, go in their house, eat whatever they put in front of you, unless they say it's for demons, because then you got to bounce because, you know, like you said it. But Paul straight up says, like, to the Jew, I become Jew. To the Gentile, a Gentile, I become Gentile. Slave, I become slave. Roman, I become Roman. But I'm bringing the gospel to people. So stop asking, is what I'm doing a sin? Ask, is this good for the kingdom? Mike, is smoking a sin? Can God use you if you get cancer? Can God send you to another country or send you into a terrible climate if you kill yourself? Can God send you there if you can't breathe going up your steps? If you don't want God to use you in that way, then you're right. Do what you want to do. And this goes beyond that. Oh, you want God to use you, but you don't open the Bible up. So you want God to put the words in your mouth. Well, he said he will. No, 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 no. God said when you get backed in a corner, he's going to speak for you. You got to put yourself out there. God ain't promised to drag you out the house, set you in front of people and move your lips. That's a puppet. In the Marine Corps, we used to have a saying, act the rank you want, not the rank you are. I say do that in the kingdom as well. You might not be there yet, but I, what would that person, if I was that person that I want God to use me as, how would he live every day? And if you think you would live different if God was actively using you, 
then why aren't you doing it now? Like, here's a question. If God was visiting you once a, once a day and he was encouraging you as you served him every day, how would you live your life? And if, if, if you would live your life differently, why are you not living it like that way now? Because you could sit with your word every day with him. You might say, Mike, how do I cleanse myself? Paul's got the answer right here in verse 22. This is why I love this passage. Flee youthful passions. That's what he starts with. Not resist them. I know James says resist the devil and he will flee. There's context there. That person has the enemy bearing down on him. Resist him, he'll flee. Here, talking to the Christian, the young believer on his walk, flee youthful passions. Resisting the devil is when JD, myself, Justin, we're out here walking with the devil to bring the gospel. People act like these things in scripture are usable in all types of contexts. You walk into the devil's pit to live or to be amongst sinners and then sit here being like, well, resist the devil. Bro, you didn't resist him. You showed up. What you thought? Like, I'm just going to resist him when we're face to face? Flee youthful passions. Flee them. What was your youthful passions prior to coming to the Lord? What vices caused so many issues in your life? <clears throat> People fail to realize you might... <laughs> You might think, oh, my problem was, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm just using an easy one, lust. And you think I'm going to cut lust out. But little did you know, your problem was that you were involved in this other hobby. And every time you went there, it triggered lust. You have to identify the things that caused you issues and run from them. And then what else? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So basically... Give up who you used to be and pursue a whole new you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all righteousness, and then all things will be provided. He didn't say, seek the all things because I just want to give them to you. Joel Osteen says that. T.D. Jake says that. Kenneth Copeland says that. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, and then I'm going to give you what you need. And you know, it took me so many years to figure this out, guys. It took me so many years to figure this out. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is so smart. Not that part. It didn't take me forever to figure that out. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all things will be provided to you. When you seek first the kingdom of God and all righteousness, it changes all the things that you want also. Man, it changes what you even ask for. You realize that the things you thought that you could get by seeking the kingdom, because sometimes you might seek the kingdom for the wrong reasons. Sometimes I talked about that all the time. People do that sometimes. Then you realize, wait a minute, I, I don't, I don't want that. That's not. I came to the Lord talking about one day I'm a, now I don't want it. And when you seek the kingdom of God in all righteousness, God will give you everything you need. Notice I said need, not want. And the reason why a lot of y'all looking for what God is giving is because you're looking for what you want and not what you need. And the reason you don't know what you need is because you ain't been seeking the kingdom of God. You've been seeking what you think you need. You need to flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Do not abandon this. So many Christians today have been uh, uh, sent out to live on their own because they refuse to be around other Christians. They refuse to go to church. They have refused fellowship. I'm going to tell you this right now. I mean, I know that God made the analogy pretty perfect when he compared us to sheep. So you would think you know this, but sheep on his own out in the wild is never a good analogy. No story starting like this ever was good. 
There once was a flock of sheep and one said, I don't want to be around the rest. That's always going to be the start of a very bad story for that sheep. We're called it for a reason. If, if Jesus had to go and leave the 99 to get the one, when he brings you back, why would you think it's logical for you to leave the 99 again? Because I don't like the 99. So you don't like where Jesus wants to bring you. He wants to bring you to the 99. So you can get to know the 99. Your brother and sisters in the 99. You want to run off again. And be a Lone Ranger Christian getting tossed to and fro because you don't know how to recognize a wolf because you ain't got no big brothers and big sisters to warn you. You're just a dumb baby sheep. Because I can't trust churches anymore. Because why? Because you saw uh, some bad churches on the news or you let the world convince you that all Christians are bad. How good is Satan that he didn't got, uh, got Christians so convinced that they can't trust Christians that they reject Christians? I'm laughing, but it's so sad, man. It's so sad. Let's keep going, man. What else? Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Stop. Ignorant controversies. You know how many people get involved in ignorant controversies every day? So I don't know if you know this, but ignorant just means you lack understanding in things. People take this as an insult. I've called people ignorant, and they're like, oh, you're insulting me? No, I'm just saying you're ignorant. Ignorant controversies. This is what the world loves. Oh, we didn't land on the moon. Oh, the earth is flat. Oh, there's vaccines doing this and the mark of the beast over here. And they're going to do this. And someone's getting upset right now because I said mark of the beast. No, but we're called to look out for that. I didn't say you're not. But people still create conspiracy theories because they know that humans love them and Christians love them. Let me ask you this right now. Imagine you spent four months studying uh, a Christian uh, uh, um, conspiracy theory and then died. You think over the next thousand years in the kingdom, you cared about those three months you spent doing that? Or do you think you could have did more for the kingdom by going out and loving people? Again, these are a waste of time. Paul's telling us this. To sit here and, and focus on things that aren't important. You only have 24 hours in a day. And I don't know about y'all. I'm gonna just be real with you. I'm still wondering where the heck my parents got all that time from. Not just my parents. I feel like the adults from my childhood had an extra hour on the clock and they lying to me about something. Because I remember kids getting picked up and going to appointments in a smooth way, not rushing, and everything always got done. And there was never these moments where we had to be like, how are we going to get to this appointment without missing more school? Nowadays, I'd be like, where do people have this time? So why would you waste time with anything other than what's important? And here's the, here's the real truth of it. If you want to know what the most important things in your life are, find out what you give your time to in a day. Write down for 24 hours where your time goes. The, number, the top three things are your priority. And sometimes it's going to shock you in a way that you won't, aren't ready for. Because time's the one thing you ain't got, getting back. All my older uh, listeners... Please let these youngins understand it. I ain't even old compared to some people in here. It's not coming back. It is gone. Like, ready? Gone. 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 Like, we should make a, I should make a clock that for every second just says gone nonstop. Gone. 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 That's how it is. It's every second. So think about it. Imagine if you did that clock and you did that math and you found out you wasted four hours a day mindlessly scrolling. 
or you wasted two hours a day looking for something to watch. Imagine though, you would also argue, but Mike, I never have time to read the Bible. I wish I had more time with my kids because we're disorganized and I'm guilty guys. I am not talking down to a single one of you. I am rebuking myself when I look in the reflection on screen. I get it, but this is what I mean. We really, I, I'm telling you, ask yourself. Now, obviously you want to do this on a day where you're off because work's going to take up a lot of time. And you're right, work is a priority. You have to give time to that. You take care of your family. But on a day off, track your hours, every hour, every half hour, and just do the math. Do I spend 12 hours a day doing wasteful things? Is that my priority? And that's the thing. I, I'm a cinephile, right? So y'all know me. I like sharing the truth about who I am because y'all might relate. I'm a cinephile. I'll go through periods where I'll watch so many movies and TV shows that it's like, wow, I wasted a lot of time. Now, granted, I will feel like I'm not wasting time because I'll do it while doing other things. I'm doing the dishes. My phone is playing. We got the little thing in the shower. You can hang your phone up. I get my little TV time in there. I'll finish a movie throughout the day. I'll be watching a movie, doing things throughout the house. Okay, could I have used that time better though? Like, just to be honest, yeah, I, I get upset with myself sometimes. I could have listened to a sermon. I could have listened to the audio Bible. And you might say, Mike, so are you saying we should be in the Bible all the time? I'm just saying that there's never too much Bible. There's never too much. And if you think there ever is, then maybe we should have a sit down talk. Because like, if I truly believe in God, and I believe that's his word, that should be something I'm obsessed with. Because I can tell you right now, there's lots of Christians that if I handed them a book and said, look, there's, there's a secret in here on how to lose 100 pounds in a week, and you will look fine. People will open that book up and read it front to back, study it, copy stuff down. If I get another book and I say, if you read this, you will be a millionaire in six months. People will read it front to back, take notes, copy it down. Yet we... At, we admittedly say, I believe that this is the word of the creator of this universe, the one who knitted me together in my mother's womb. And it's, and it's his word telling me how I can know him and have eternal life with him. Do you get what I said yet? Do I got to clarify it? Do I got to add the punchline to what I just said? Why don't we make it a priority? <laughs> I'm just saying. We can call it a priority, but do our actions demonstrate it? Do our actions truly demonstrate it? And this is what it means when it says faith without works is dead. People always think that this is, has to do with, you know, what I'm doing. No, it's just at the end of the day, faith drives action. And that's beyond your, your religion. I've used many of these examples, but there's always new listeners. So I have no problem doing it again. If you trust your wife or your husband, if they leave your phone around you unlocked, you don't even look at it. You don't even touch it. You don't even think about it. You don't even notice it because you trust them. What's the word trust in Latin? Fide. What does that mean? Faith. You have faith in them. But if you don't trust them, what do you do? You look. Because faith drives action. If you trust motorcycles, you'll get on it. If you don't, you won't get on it. If you trust dogs, you'll go around a dog. If you don't trust dogs, you won't go around a dog. Faith drives action action. So you could say all you want about Jesus 
and I can tell you I trust you, but the trust fall requires me to fall. And there's lots of people that we've told in our life that we trusted, but we were just saying it because we felt like we should say it. But do you trust Jesus? Because faith drives action. That's why I love what John says. I'll quote that one every episode. If you have the the good the if you have the world's goods, and you don't help a brother in need, how does God's love abide in you? And that's the question that we should ask, not in a condemnation way, but because we love our brothers. And if we don't see love pouring out of them, we should say, hey, what's up, man? That that That's not loving. Listen what it says. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. A lot of times today, people get the word debate and argue mixed up. This generation thinks a debate is an argument. It's not. A debate is uh, stating an affirmative and then someone bringing the negative to you and then stating their case and you stating your case. And, and, and you know, it's, an, it's a structured conversation to find truth. There's nothing wrong with debate in scripture. There's a problem with quarreling, which is a temper tantrum with words. It is it is men throwing words at each other in a way to just be better than each other. Matter of fact, most of what we see in today's society is quarreling, right? So yes, the Bible says don't quarrel. It doesn't mean you cannot discuss the truths of scripture and have heated discussions with people, but there's a difference. Listen to what it says though. But be kind to everyone, able to teach, Patiently enduring evil, that's a tough one. And I'm going to tell you right now, because I deal with a lot of evil and I'm still working on that patient part. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Here's what I want you all to hear from me, uh, just from someone experience-wise. You don't let them define that gentleness, though. Because the problem is, people can make you feel like you're not being gentle because they define it a different way. Stick to God's word and God's definition. Don't just take God's word and then get stuck with their definition. Like, all right, I need to correct you with gentleness and then do so with the gentleness of the world. For example, love the world the way God tells you to love the world, not the way Satan designed, uh, uh, bleh, desecrated the word love and changes it and defiles it. All right? So correcting with the gentleness that God calls us to. And then it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I love this passage. Y'all see, I'm sorry, I geek out for this passage. God may grant them repentance. That should say so much about your ability to save yourself. This is what people call me a Calvinist. You have a responsibility. I'm not a Calvinist. But you need God to pull you. And some people reject that pull. And God is saying, love them because I might grant them that repentance. I might give it to them. They've already spit on me, but give them love and I might do so. What does Jesus tell his apostles? If people show you love and, and you forgive them, eh, I'll forgive them. People like to take that as a sacrament. Go out and you get my permission to give this. No, he's saying that 
if you show forgiveness, I will show forgiveness to them saying that you, there's a connection. What does Jesus say? I and you as I am in the father, right? So therefore, if we love and forgive someone, he's saying, I offer love and forgiveness to them as well, which is also a way for us to understand that because he loves and forgives people, I should love and forgive them as well. Um, side story, I mean, side note, and we'll touch that later. But God may grant them repentance. And if God grants them repentance, that also means repentance doesn't, doesn't mean ask for forgiveness. I don't know how many times I got to tell you guys that. What do you think this means? God may grant them to ask for forgiveness. Leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses. That means they don't, they don't even realize they're lost in their sins. Why? What does the Bible say? That they walk in darkness, that they're blinded. Imagine being blind and not realizing you're covered in feces. Just, just crap all over you. And, and I'm the light in the world, right? Jesus put his light in me. And my job is to come to him and let that light shine so he sees it and says, oh my goodness, I'm dirty. But if I come around him with darkness, then he can't see that. But when he sees it, anything exposed by light becomes shameful. Ew. Bring a light around people. And this is why you need to read the word every day because the word also is a mirror to remind you of how dirty you are before you go talking to them. So pick up your mirror every day before you go out to remind you that you have no reason to look down. You're going out there as a fellow sinner, as a fellow dirty one to go bring the gospel. Don't ever forget to look in the mirror. Don't ever forget that. Some Christians forget and they go out here and they, they speak down to people as if they weren't once lost as well. God may grant them repentance, coming to their senses, and then this next part should make you stop treating these people terribly and escape the snare of the devil. They're not your enemies. They're not your enemies. No matter how much they make you angry, no matter how much they hate God, they're not your enemies because Satan has captured them with the sin of this world. We need to be careful how we talk about others. James says something that should definitely make you feel terrible in your heart if you've done it and want to stop doing it. He says that your tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. Amen, right? And with that same tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. You pray, Father, I love you. You are amazing. You're so great. And then you turn around and look at the very person made in his image, whom he loves, whom he sent his son for, and curse them or hate them. We allow differences in our doctrine to drive us to an anger to where we start saying things to hurt people. You know what you're talking. You know, you know what I'm talking about, by the way. You guys all know. I've seen you guys do it too. I've done it. And I have to go back and rebuke myself. So let's not pretend. I'm not going to call people out. We say things in the comments that were absolutely unnecessary. And the only intention could possibly be to drive anger, which means our intention is to hurt them. That's our sick, that's our sick, sinful flesh. I understand. I hate it when I do it. But we do it. We want to say so we get angry at people. Ooh, you should understand what I'm saying. Why don't you understand? Why are you being so stupid? 
And the enemy wants you to do that. The enemy wants you to get so angry. You ever think that sometimes maybe the enemy is using them just to do that and there's actually no way that you're going to get through to them anyway? And that's why you shouldn't even waste your time and just let your love be poured out to them so that the light in you shows them that they are being captured by Satan because it was never your ability to save them in the first place. So by just battering them with words, all you're doing is talking to a dead man who's been dead at his sins and who is deaf and can't even hear the words in your mouth. You couldn't do anything without God. You needed Christ in your life to do anything, but yet we talk to people as if without Christ, they can fix themselves. Get better, you wicked sinner. Stop doing that, you dumb sinner. Stop doing that as if they could ever stop doing it. I like when Paul, I believe it's in Colossians, Oh, we're at one and a half hours. I'm supposed to stop at this point. All right, hold on. <laughs> no, it's in Second Corinthians. Hold on. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Ladies and gentlemen, God is working through you. That's not what I was looking for. I just swum past that, so I figured why not. But where's it at? Ah, here it is. Look at how Paul responds to people that do this. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. And I just wanted to just wanted to hit that because I want you to remember that. Because sometimes I believe as Christians, we can get a little narcissistic and we can forget that we're talking with other people whom the Lord loves, other people whom the Lord is listening to in their prayers. Sometimes we can even forget that in our own prayers. I don't, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I don't think about the outcomes of if I, if all my prayers were answered sometimes, what I mean by that is we don't think about butterfly effect. For example, you might pray, Lord, I, I really need this job. Please help me. You don't think about the other people who are applying for that job that you're asking God to not let them get it, to involve himself for you and not them. You don't think about how their not, life will now be affected by that. You don't think about any of these things that surround what you're asking God for. But we ask God because we want him to, you know, but what about the other people asking God for these questions that also are asking God? Rather, let us pray that his will be done. Let us pray that his will be done, because if we knew what we needed, we would never be in the position we're in that we need him because we failed. That's what we need. We need him. And as long as we have him. And everything else is fine. Even if the ground crumbles beneath me, I can walk on water with him. Even if the uh, you know the sky and the storm start, then he can part. I mean, he can calm the storm. Um, if the snakes rose up, rose up and tried to bite me, he can stop the snakes. If there was no food, he can make it come from the thin air. If there was no water, water can come from the rocks. If there was no nothing, he could give me everything. So, like, 
don't forget that. Like he knows what you need. So I said this earlier, I'm going to remind you, just try it for a day or two or a week. Tonight when you pray, focus on two things for me. This is your homework. I'm going to give you all homework since JD's not here. Number one, I want you to pray every night for the next seven days, or actually just till Monday, so I can talk to y'all and see how this affects your prayer life. Tonight when you go to bed, here's what I want in your mind. You will die in your sleep. You will not wake up tomorrow. Pray. That's it. Listen to me. You will die and you will not wake up tomorrow. Pray. And when you wake up, if, sorry, that was blasphemous for me, arrogant for me to say when. And if the Lord will that you wake up tomorrow, be as surprised as you should be and thank him for the next five days. See what your prayer life is when you're giving your final prayer to him. Lord, I, 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 if I see you tonight, Lord, I, I hope that today was enough. I hope that I did something today to put a smile. I hope that today matters for my tomorrow if I'm with you tomorrow. Because I know I can do a lot today that's for tomorrow in the world. Like I got this set up for this appointment and I got this cool thing happening and we got the tickets. But tonight pray because you know that you will be dead tonight. And say, Lord, if it be your will. And then ask him to let you be involved in what he's doing. That's your second part. Now, you might not be ready for that one. And that's that might be true. You might have, you know, a single mother and you got things going on in your life and say, Lord, I've got things going on. I would love to be a part of what you're doing. I need your help. If you want to, that's fine. But like I said, that prayer is a very powerful prayer now. I asked it and my entire life changed. Then this ministry was born. But for real, though, go to him tonight. And instead of thinking you have tomorrow, because you'd be surprised how much you would thank him for about today when you stop thinking about what tomorrow holds, because I don't have that. That's not even, that's fake, fake. I'm coming to you tonight. I'm about to get on this dream plane to you tonight because I'm dying tonight. And if you wake me up tomorrow, Lord, if tomorrow be another day you give me, then may I serve you to the greatest ability and I'll meet you again tomorrow night if I get that far. But I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast. I'm sorry for going a little bit over. We're eight minutes over. JD had to leave us because of internet issues. Um, but whenever JD leaves, I'm willing to hold it down. Just like when I'm out of town, he holds it down. And we hope that you guys enjoy the show. Make sure you hit like and share and all those things like that. Um, as we mentioned, hopefully everything is running smooth and great uh, for Monday when we get the router situation fixed. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and hop off. Uh, I will be on TikTok probably for a little bit, just a little, little bit, uh, but probably not that long. But um, yeah, guys, I appreciate you all being here. I love you all. For anybody that's new here, welcome. The, the, the goal here is to foster a community. We have an online community. If you're very new here and you don't know about our Discord server, we have probably like 2,000 members now. Someone in the comment section, let me know. Uh, links are always in the description. Everything we offer here at the True Christian Ministry so far is free. Um, there is something in the works that I've been thinking about putting together that wouldn't be free because of the amount of time I'd have to put into it, but that information is later. But right now, everything that we do offer is free and that will never change. We have a Discord server with community, online community, Bible studies, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. I think I might be wrong on all those, but several Bible studies a week. We have gender specific chat rooms so that, you know, men and women can have their time together for fellowship. We have co-ed, we have youth ministry. It's, it's a great place online. 
Um, and it's for people that don't have a church home that sometimes just need something in the interim. Uh, but So make sure you check that out. Links below. If you want to donate to the ministry, you can always find those links online as well in the links below. Uh, you don't have to. Prayers are all we really ask for is that you pray that the Lord continue to work with us. And make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like I said, we just want to create a community here where people don't have to worry about fighting and defending their faith every five minutes, but rather trying to grow in their faith and get to know the word of God. Uh, so with that being said, I thank you guys, as always, for giving us your time. The fact that any of you sit here and listen to us yap, yap, yap for an hour and a half is still mind-blowing to me, let alone the fact that you guys keep coming back every week. So from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of JD, we love you. God bless and go in peace, guys. Mm -hmm.